0: your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 37. Isaiah 37. Uh, Hezekiah is the king of Judah. He's a good man. He loves the Lord. He tries to do what's right, but he's got a very, very difficult situation. The Assyrians have come from the north, completely destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel, wiped out all the nations in their path, and now... A hundred and eighty-five thousand soldiers have surrounded the city of Jerusalem. Their leader is a man named Sennacherib, a bloodthirsty warrior who just delights in destruction. And so he pins a letter to Hezekiah, Hezekiah receives this letter. Now understand the situation, his army uh, or the army of the Assyrians has surrounded the city The water supply is cut off. The food supply is cut off. It's desperate. He can't send for anybody because nobody's going to come. His army is no match for the Assyrians. And then he gets a letter. And the letter says essentially this, Dear Hezekiah, just want you to know you're dead. And he knows it. He knows there's nothing he can do. There's nowhere he can go. There is nobody he can call. And so he takes that letter to the temple, and he spreads it out, and with a heart overwhelmed by burden, he pours out a prayer to God. If you're able to stand, stand with me, please, and we'll look at the prayer of Hezekiah, Isaiah 37, beginning in verse 14. The Bible says, and Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up unto the house of the Lord, and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed unto the Lord, saying, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel that dwelleth between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone. Of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Incline climb thine ear, O Lord, and hear. Open thine eyes, O Lord, and see. Hear all the words of Sennacherib, which is sent to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations of their countries, Have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods. But the work of men's hands, wood and stone, therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord. Even thou only. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful story. I thank you for the encouragement that it gives to me, and I pray that you'd help me to give encouragement from this story to these who hear today. Lord, I thank you for the privilege to preach, and I pray that you would use this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated, please. Hezekiah had an overwhelming burden, Hezekiah had a problem that seemed as if there was no solution and yet the good news is Hezekiah served a great God. In order to pray, and by the way, God did answer his prayer, the Lord told Isaiah, go tell your king that I've heard his prayer and he needn't worry, not one footprint will be placed inside the city of Jerusalem, you will be safe, your children will be safe, your people will be safe. God answered Hezekiah's prayer. How did he get his prayers answered? Well, I I think in order to pray a prayer like this, you need to have a a burden. You need to have something heavy on your heart. You you need to have a problem. I'm curious, how many of you all ever had a problem? Okay, I'm not glad you had a problem, but I'm kind of glad that this is going to apply. I, I've, I've lived long enough to discover that oftentimes when I have a problem it's my own fault. Years ago I was youth director and we took our young people to a snow camp up in northern Michigan and uh, we got off the bus Friday afternoon and immediately went to the tubing hill. It was freezing. It's almost zero degrees, but there's lots of snow. And those of you who have, uh, are, are from a colder climate, you know that even if it's cold outside, if you're dressed warmly and you exert yourself, you get hot and sweaty. And so uh, we're going down the tubing hill and walking up the hill and going down and walking up and a few other games and I am drenched with sweat. Well, in those days, I had some hair, and I'm wearing a... (laughs) There are parts of the message that are funny, but that's not one of them. I was wearing a stocking cap, and and, and my hair got all sweaty and matted down and gross, and you know, so afterwards we uh, went to eat, and then after that uh, was the service, and the fellow that we had, was one of these guys who just preached on and on and on. You ever been in... No, I'm not going to ask you that. But... But I'm thinking, wow, land the airplane, buddy. We got to get to, uh, everybody's got to get to bed. We got to get the bus unloaded and all that. And so finally, we get everybody situated in their cabins. And I'm thinking, I have got to get a shower. Now, if you work with young people, you understand this vital principle never go to the shower facilities when young people have access to your clothes. Yeah they they'll, they'll steal your clothes fill your shoes with snow they'll take well anyway don't do it just don't do it so I have two options i can i can get my shower late at night Or I can get it early in the morning. Well, I'm thinking that we have to get up at 7. Now, girls, when they have to get up at 7, they get up at like 3 o'clock to get ready for 7. But if a guy has to get up at 7, he's going to get up at 7. Reluctantly, but he'll get up at 7. So I thought, you know, if I get to the shower facility by 6.30, everything will be fine. So I get down to the shower facility, and, and, and I'm telling you, it is ice cold ice cold, no, no heat at all. And I think if I get in this shower, I'm going to die of hypothermia. So, so I just, you know, kind of reached in and, and cleaned up as best I could, but I still got this problem with my nasty hair. And so I thought, well, I'll I'll finish getting dressed and then I'll just wash my hair in the sink. And so I I went over to the sink and the faucet was shaped kind of like this, looked like a candy cane. And you know, I got all lathered up and I, Got down under the faucet to rinse the shampoo out of my hair. Feel on the back of your head right here. There's a little knob. You hardly ever know what's there unless you put your head under a sink. (laughs) And I went under the sink, past the faucet, past that knob, and I got stuck. (laughs) That knob is gouging into the back of my head. I mean, I could turn this way a little, I could turn this way a little, but I couldn't pull it out because it's just gouging. About that time, one of my teenage boys comes down and goes, hey, what are you doing? I said, washing my hair. He said, it looks like you got your head stuck. No, I'm not stuck. He goes, okay, pull your head out. By now, there's five or six guys, Thank, thank the Lord. There are no cell phones in those days, wow. But, but another thing about teenagers, they'll watch, but they won't help. And so, you know, the, the crowd is enjoying it. I have no option. I, I did the only thing I could possibly do. I just went rip and peeled up. A, I, I mean, it looked like a fruit roll-up. Just, shh. oh, it hurts so bad. You say, how do you get your head stuck under a sink? You make a bad choice. A bad choice. Many times we have problems because we made a bad choice. Jonah did that. God said, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach. Jonah said, do you know, I don't think I want to do that. And so the Bible says he rose up to flee from the presence of the Lord. Now, how much sense does that make? Where are you going to go to get away from God? But he, you know the story, he got on board ship, goes down below deck and God sends a great storm. By the way, if there's something God wants you to do and you're not willing to do it, there will be storms in your life. Well, everybody on board is frightened. They're throwing all, everything overboard to try and lighten the load, praying to whatever gods it were that they served. And, and uh, Jonah is sound asleep. Somebody finds him, shakes him, says, Hey, hey, wake up. There, there's a storm. God is upset with somebody. And Jonah says, Well, yeah, that'd be me. And uh, they said, what's the, what's the situation? He said, well, I, I was supposed to go to Nineveh, but I don't want to do that. Uh, they said, well, what can we do? And Jonah said, well, just, just throw me overboard. Did you ever think about that? You and I, we know the story of Jonah and the whale, right? Jonah didn't know that story. Here's what he's saying. Jonah's saying, I would rather die than obey God. I would rather drown than do what I'm supposed to do. And so here's a man, out of the will of God, called to be a missionary to the Assyrian capital city, who absolutely refused. And so he would rather die. They didn't want to, but they threw him overboard. God wouldn't let him drown. God prepared a great fish. Jesus called it a whale, swallowed Jonah up. Three days, three nights, Jonah's in the belly of the whale. I think you'd agree with me, Jonah had a problem. But it was his own fault. And so Jonah finally prayed. He said, when my spirit fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. He said, I will pay that I have vowed. And so uh, God commanded the fish to spit Jonah on the land. You know the story. He went to Nineveh and a great revival broke out. If you're in a situation where you've got a burden and you've got a problem because you made a bad choice, you're not willing to do ...what God would have you to do... ...your only recourse is to get right with God. Your only recourse is to simply obey... ...doing what God would have you to do. But you know, not every situation... ...is the result of sin. Not every burden is the result of a bad choice. Hezekiah had a problem... ...but it wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault that the army had invaded. It wasn't his fault that the enemy had surrounded his city... You know, sometimes we have situations, you go to the doctor and they come back with that horrible diagnosis, it's not your fault. Sometimes there's situations and problems in your home and although the burden is heavy, it's not your fault. But in order to be able to pray a prayer like Hezekiah prayed, there has to be that burden, there has to be that that situation, there has to be that that tugging and urging and weighing on your heart. And so first thing you need is a problem. Second thing you need is a person who can pray. The Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 1 that Hezekiah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Now there are some requirements to praying. I remember years ago I was in my office and the phone rang it was late in the afternoon lady very very agitated and excited she goes is this a pastor i said yes ma'am she goes oh good good hurry call this number i said excuse me she goes i don't have time to talk call this number and she gave me a phone number well i i nearly always do what crazy ladies ask me to do so i dial the number and the guy answered the phone he said this is such and such a radio station I'm thinking, what is this? I said, yeah, uh, my name's Hal Hightown." He goes, congratulations, you've just won $1,000. They're having a contest on the radio. <laughs> they, they read your name, and if you call in in the appointed amount of time, you win the prize. And so evidently, they read my name, and there's a lady in our town with no life at all <laughs> who recognized me called me. I called in and now I've won a thousand dollars. I'm the guy that doesn't get a prize in Cracker Jacks. And so I'm thinking a thousand dollars. Whoa, this is great. Think of all the stuff I can buy for my wife. And I wasn't thinking that. <laughs> she pretty much has everything she needs, but, but, but the guy says, okay, here's Here's what you need to do. You have 30 days to come claim your prize. You need to bring a, 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 a driver's license or some other photo ID. And you need to bring that card that we mailed you. That's what card? He said, well, this is a brand new radio station. And we saturated the listening area with, uh, with, with cards announcing the opening of the station and the contest and the rules of the contest. And on the card, it says that you had to have the card in order to claim your prize. I said, what kind of a radio station is this? He said, we play hard rock, heavy metal. And I'm thinking, you know, if I got a card from a radio station, hard rock, heavy metal, I'm, I'm pretty sure what I did with that. So, so, so I tried to explain. I said, I might have lost it. <laughs> he said, you have to have the card to get the money. I said, can you mail me another one? He said, no. I said, can you tell me somebody who got one? He said, no. He said, but if you find the card, you, you, you will uh, be able to claim your prize. Well, obviously, figured it out by now, I, I didn't find the card. Let me testify, I hate rock music. I, I mean, I was against it before, but I really hate rock music now. <laughs> but you understand there were conditions on getting the prize. You know, God has conditions on getting your prayers answered. Number one, you have to be saved. You know, God is not in the business of answering the prayers of the devil's children, and so, uh, in, in order to to get your prayers answered, you have to have a heavenly father. You have to have one who is made promises. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But you know, there are more conditions than just being saved. Secondly, you have to be completely and thoroughly and absolutely right with God. I understand nobody's perfect. But the psalmist in Psalm 66 verse 11 said these words, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. What does that mean? God knows everything. God hears everything. It it means that if you regard iniquity in your heart, then you might as well save your breath because he's not going to answer. What does it mean to regard iniquity in your heart? It means you know there's something you ought to do and you're not doing it. God has convicted you. The Lord has impressed you. God has laid a burden on your heart. And you're not willing to follow through, not willing to obey. God says, if that's the situation, then save your breath. I'm not answering. And so, in order to get your prayers answered, uh, you have to be saved. And then you have to be right with God. But the good news is any of us can be right with God at any time because he tells us, come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. 1 John 1, 9, we, we know the verse so well. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But listen, the problem that we have in our life, here's what we do. We pray and 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 we don't get an answer and we say something really spiritual like, well, I guess I just don't have enough faith. Well, Jesus said, if you have faith, as a grain of mustard seed. That's teeny. You can say to this mountain, be picked up and cast into the sea. Now, if you're saved... You already exercise more than mustard seed faith because the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. So, Our problem in unanswered prayer isn't necessarily our faith. It's more likely our faithfulness, not doing what we know God would have us to do. Well, I understand there's a bit of a wrestling process. I understand we want to be certain that we're discerning the Lord's will. I understand all of those excuses that we use. But I like what Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. Number one, you need a problem. Number two, you need a person who can pray. And then number three, you just need to pray. You know, we talk about prayer, we read books about prayer, we study about prayer, but we often don't pray. We have our prayer list, but how many times do you go down that prayer list and you wonder, where am I on this list? Did I pray for them yet? And our prayer becomes so routine and so ritualistic that it just becomes another religious exercise Instead of fellowship and communion with Almighty God. Instead of just a time to love and adore the one that gave himself for us. Instead of just a time to bring our burdens and our requests before the Lord. We need to pray. God's promised to answer. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. He said, ask and you shall receive. Remember the story of Moses leading the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt? Pharaoh is charging hard behind them. He's not going to take them back to Egypt. He's going to destroy them. His child is dead. He wants revenge They come to the banks of the Red Sea and it's way, way too too, uh, uh, wide to swim across, too deep, they can't wait. They can't go around because surely Pharaoh will catch them and Moses said, "Uh, Lord, can you help us? And God, all you had to do was ask. He said, hold out your rod. Moses held out his rod and the waters of the Red Sea parted That's a fairly significant miracle and a lot of times when God's people hear about big miracles I don't know they might say something like amen. Let me try that again and 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 the waters of the Red Sea parted Yeah, that's a big deal And what was just underwater is now dry land and about two million people Walked through on dry land and when they got to safety and uh, Pharaoh charging hard after them God said that's enough And the waters came crashing down. And Moses and the children of Israel were safe. They were delivered. Listen, God can do anything. And the same God that parted the Red Sea, he doesn't love Moses more than he loves you. We just need to pray. Joshua's fighting. I think it's the Amorites. might be the Amalekites. One of those eight brothers. It's in Joshua chapter 10. Uh, early in the day, they're having a struggle, but now later in the afternoon, Israel has the upper hand, and, and Joshua uh, says, Lord, can you just give us a little more daylight? And God said, all he had to do was ask, and the sun stood still in the sky. What an amazing miracle. You know, I've read probably a dozen different scientific so-called explanations on what happened. None of them make any sense. I don't know what happened. God just went stepped on the brakes, shifted into park, and the sun stood still in the sky. You know, the same God that stopped the sun is the God that you asked to bless your breakfast this morning. He's the same God that you brought your heavy heart to. The very same God. I think we've convinced ourselves that if we're just not oozing with faith, then probably we're going to be ineffective. Now, I understand there's there's a certain amount of faith involved, but when our son started kindergarten, we didn't have a Christian school in our home, but we wanted him to be in a Christian school. The nearest good school was about 15 miles in this direction, the church I pastored was about 10 miles in this direction, and we only had one vehicle, so we're trying to figure out the logistics. You know, it's not going to be right, it's not going to be good for, uh, for me to get dropped off at church, and it's not going to work out for me to drive... And so we, we said, we, we just need to buy a new car. We, we, gotta, we have to get another car. We didn't have any money. We were so broke. And so we, we sold some things and scrounged together. I didn't want to go in debt because I didn't know if I could make the payments. We scrounged up $500. I thought, you know, $500, I ought to be able to find a decent car. And so I, I, I was well, a long time ago, brother. And they, You know, they, they hadn't invented the internet yet, so I had to look in the classifieds in the newspaper. And I see this car for $500. And I thought, man, answer to prayer. So I called the guy and he said, sure, come by and look at it. So I drove to his house and I pulled in the driveway and here's this car. I mean, it looked beautiful. It's a uh, you know, it's, it's used, it's old, but it looked like it was in good shape. I looked at the interior, it, it was all in good shape. And I knocked on the door and a guy comes out and he opens the car, he's showing me everything. And, and, and I said, uh, can I see the engine? He goes, what? I said, can I see the engine? I said, oh, sure. He popped the hood and I looked in, there's no engine. There's no engine. I said, uh, where's the engine? He goes, what do you expect for $500? And I was crushed. I thought, oh man, here I am trying to do right. want to send my son to a Christian school trying to serve the Lord. And I can't even find a car with an engine. And so I went home and and I was a little bit, actually I was quite a bit complaining. I'm just moping around, feeling persecuted as a a Christian. (laughs) My wife said, uh, we should pray about it. I said, Karen, I've been praying about it. I've been praying every day. Answer to prayer is a car with no engine. She goes, we, we just need to pray. That's fine. So we knelt down by the couch and uh, said, Lord, you know, we need a car. We're trying to do right. Please give us a car. Amen. I mean, it was spiritual. It was absolutely spiritual. I went outside. My neighbor, he's, he's a saved man, didn't go to our church, which makes no sense to me. But he's carrying a for sale sign. And he put the for sale sign in the back window of their second car. And I thought, whoa, this is it. Well, you know, you don't want to be too aggressive or, or act like you're interested. And so I nonchalantly said, hey, Phil, you selling your car? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> he said, uh, yeah, why, you interested? I said, well, you know, maybe uh, Jeremiah's going to uh, kindergarten, and we thought about maybe getting another car to make it easier. Uh, how much you want? He said, well, I was going to ask 2500 but I'll let you have it for 2000 Oh. Well, you know I'll talk to Karen. Don't hold it for us or anything. Somebody else I walk in the house. $2,000! We can't afford 2000 She goes, what are you talking about? How Phil's selling his car? I said, I might have given him 700 but he wants 2000 She said, we should just pray about it. I said, Karen, we don't need to pray. We have 500 He has, he wants 2000 They don't equal. I don't know how you were at math, but they don't equal. And she said, well, if God wants us to have it, he'll let us have it. All right, let's pray. So we got down on the couch. I said, you pray first. You're obviously more spiritual than me. And, and, and she prayed a, a, just, a, just the sweetest prayer. And, and, and I got on my knees and I said, uh, I, I said, Lord, ding dong. The doorbell rang. Amen. I got up and went to the door. Phil's standing there. And Phil said, y'all really need a car? I said, well, yeah, we're going to eventually. So said, well, God just told me to give you this and hand me the keys. I said, Phil, I need a boat. (laughs) He gave me his car. You know why? Because I had so much faith. No, that's not why. It's because God said, Ask and you shall receive. Because the Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong and the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. just simply means this. God is looking for somebody to bless. Make sure that you're blessable. In this mission time, if God's dealing with your heart about surrendering to the mission field, you can't afford to do anything else. If God's laid an amount on your heart that you need to give, don't figure out your budget. Figure out the God that you serve. Hezekiah's situation was hopeless, but he served a God full of hope.